What kind of news, though, I want to talk about this week? Let's go check Twitter. Maybe there's something popping off that I don't know about. Hmm. Mario Kart's trending. Let's see what this is all about. Huh. She said what? Mushroom head. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, uh, I don't. Uh, I, I just can't today. I just can't do this today. I'll record the podcast tomorrow. I'll record it tomorrow. I I just can't do it. I just can't do it. I'll, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll, I'll record it tomorrow. This week on Frantic Thoughts, we talk all about open world video games, what I look for in them, and what I love and do not love about them this style and genre of video game. I want to talk about some other random stuff, including the PlayStation Classic, because, you know, it's a video game podcast and we have to talk about it. So let's jump right into episode 68 of Frantic Thoughts. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Frantic Thoughts the weekly solo podcast that nobody asked for. And I almost almost forgot my little tagline there. This is a weekly podcast where I sit and I talk about video game news, entertainment, what I've been up to with my media consumption, consumption, that's not a word, consumption for the week. We talk about what I love, what I dislike, and uh, I think it's a, a fun show. We go over some news too. It's just a kind of general video game and entertainment podcast that I like to do to unwind and relax every single week, and I post it out there, and it seems like people enjoy it, I think. Okay, so what I usually do every single week, we start out with the topic of the week. I remembered to pull back from the mic when I did it that time, because usually I get some insane peaking when I do that, so I'm like... This time I'm gonna pull back when I do that. Anyway, um, today I wanted to talk about open world video games. Do I like them? Do I hate them? Let's talk about that. <laughs> so open world video games are actually a pretty fun genre. I, I sometimes like them and sometimes I don't. It depends on the franchise and what they're going for. So when you usually play this open world game, this is what you're going to expect to go into when you actually play it. I don't know why I said it like that. Let's go ahead and start with GTA 3 first. So GTA 3 is one of the first open world games in this style. There are other open world games. I would consider the original Legend of Zelda to be one of the progenitor, progenitor? That's the word. Of the franchise. Franchise? That's not what I'm trying to say either. Of the genre. <laughs> it's one of the very first games that you could probably say this is an open world game because you can go around the world. And I know it's not the very first game you can say this about. I know there are some Atari games like this and such like that. I'm not going into that. We're going into Zelda because I could talk about Zelda a lot better than I could talk about some Atari games and games that were on other systems at that time. So the original Legend of Zelda on the Nintendo Entertainment System had that idea. You can go through, you can do whatever you want in this world. You can find different areas in the world. You can go anywhere in the game from the beginning of the game. This is what open world game, the general gist of an open world game is. If you can see the land, you can go to it, right? I would say, when I, let's jump forward, you know, 15 years or whatever it was, GTA 3 came out. This kind of was another one of those games that was kind of, revolutionary everything that rockstar ends up doing rockstar games they make the gta series they make red dead they are one of the biggest companies to push forward in this genre and make this genre stick out a lot more i would say another company that really loves their open world games and has evolved the genre even more would be ubisoft as well with their assassin's creed series we start with gta what i look what, why I like GTA, especially the the three that were started out with Rockstar. We got GTA 3, Vice City, and San Andreas. These are all PS2, Xbox era games, and I played these way too young because that's how old I am. And 
Uh, some people would say I'm old. Some people would say I'm young. Most people would probably say I'm young still. <laughs> anyway, um, the kids at my job would say I'm old. But hey, everybody at my job's freaking in high school because I'm have a. I'm not going into that. Anyway, GTA, GTA Three, Vice City, and San Andreas, they each tried different new styles and techniques for the open world genre. If you go to GTA Three, you're in Liberty City, which is kind of like New York. You're kind of on an island that's similar to New York. It has some of the landmarks like New York has, and you're in an open world. And it's a mob story. All three of these are kind of mob stories. Um, and it was one of the first games I ever played where I'm like, oh, I can go do whatever I want right now. That, that little tiny nugget of fun. It's fun because you can be like, hey, can I go do this? Yes, you can. And that is the basic premise of an open world game. Can I go do that? Sure, you can. And this is also what most people would call a sandbox game. Because, hey, in GTA, it's kind of like a sandbox where you can kind of play around and have a great time. I hear a cat. I definitely hear a cat. Anyway, <laughs> uh, they continued these on with Vice City and San Andreas. Vice City added more depth to the gunplay, better gunplay, better story. I think the story in Vice City is probably the strongest of the three of these. And had the 80s vibes, had the neon colors, and it had just a really cool style about it. And the world was a little bit bigger, not a lot bigger. And then they had San Andreas, where they went all out, and it was a pretty ginormous world for the time. And that that one was more of a gang story that kind of bled into a mafia story, and it was really fun to play. It's That game went batshit with the amount of detail you can do for upgrading your character and stuff. And of course, I am leaving out right now with RPGs. There's RPGs too. We'll go into that too. Why not? But this GTA, you could build your muscles up. If you ate too much food, you got fatter. If you swam more, you got better at swimming. This is all RPG mechanics built into an open world. One of the first games to do it for this style of game. So let's go ahead and talk about the RPG genre. We got Ultima which I don't have a lot of experience in, but I know Ultima is one of the very first series that included an open world in first person. And it was old school, it was PC, and I know that is one of those that people will look back on and say, yes, that's what started this style. We also have the Bethesda RPGs, which are Elder Scrolls, all the Elder Scrolls games from one all the way up to five. Skyrim, and those games paved the way for that style of genre too. It's first person, but it's in this huge fantasy epic, and uh, there's a couple, I think Daggerfall's the one, where they have uh, randomly generated dungeons and stuff. They try some really wacky stuff back in the day. And we also have Fallout, which is by Bethesda, Bethesda as well. They're open world, post-apocalyptic. They actually had some, the first two were not created by Bethesda, they were created by another studio. I'm trying to think of the name of the studio. It's neither here nor there, but that was an open world game as well, and it was point and click. And then Bethesda bought it, and it would, they turned it into a first person franchise. And they, then they had Fallout 3, New Vegas, and 4, and the upcoming Fallout 76. And they were first person RPGs. You can level up your character, put stats into different parts of your character, and it was a shooter RPG. Pretty awesome. So these games are all open world, and when I sit and I think about open world, the first game that actually really comes to mind, honestly, is Assassin's Creed. And not because it's my favorite franchise or anything else, I feel like this game just thrives in the open world. And I just think it's synonymous with the open world experience. If you think open world, you're going to think Ubisoft, you're going to think Towers, you're going to think jumping in the handbells, you're going to think sneaking up on people. That's just me. That's how I think, I guess. Uh, they made all of those games basically some kind of weird futuristic style where they go back in the time, in times, and you relive your ancestors' memories through a thing called the Animus, if you don't know, and most people will know, because there are so many of these games that it's kind of hard to avoid the series. <laughs> so... Those were really cool, and there's only a few that I really, really liked from Assassin's Creed. I think the two in Brotherhood Revelations, that trilogy I loved to death. 
I played 4 for a long time, and I played it on the Wii U, Black Flag, and it played really bad frame rate wise so i kind of got annoyed stop playing it there that's a different story <laughs> um i can never get into their other series though what is it called it's the watchdogs i never can get into the watchdogs i tried i figured i would like at least watchdogs 2 watchdogs 1 got a really bad rep so i tried 2 and it didn't really pull me in i'm just like eh, this is okay i guess it didn't blow me away i would say one of the biggest and craziest open world games is Minecraft. Randomly generated open world experience where you can experience everything in a sandbox, there's that word again, and do what you want to do. You can basically reshape the world to your whim. So that was one of those games that blew me away. I did not know a game could do this, could do that. Like I didn't know you can have a game where you can change everything. And of course there are games that did continue that trend. They had Terraria, Starbound, games like that that I didn't know this was a genre, and Minecraft has a brand new genre. It created a genre. Basically, this open world... I know there were games before it, but I feel like it, the popularity of this game made the sandbox randomly generated, crazy, do-anything-you-want game a mainstream thing, which is really cool. So, why am I talking about open worlds? I don't know. I just felt like talking about it. <laughs> no, but honestly, I've been playing Spider-Man. And I beat Spider-Man. We'll talk about more about that in a bit. But this is the first game that has an open world that keeps me interested from beginning to end. There are side, side activities that you can do throughout the game. But honestly, as I'm playing this game, and I feel the same way about this game that I do about the Arkham games. But Arkham, Asylum, Arkham City and Arkham Knight felt like it had too much filler for me. Like the Riddler trophies were cool, but there was a bit too much of that. But Spider-Man just keeps it just the right tune amount of stuff for me to stay interested and want to actually completely get the platinum this will be my very first platinum so i'm going for that so i'm gonna do all the side activities which i've never done in a game that's freaking crazy to me just because the open world's so much fun to get around in and it's so fun to swing around in that's the main reason and the fighting's great and the game's awesome of course i've talked about it already but yeah <laughs> uh, I was going to say, there's the reasons I don't really play Assassin's Creed too much is because I get icon overload. So why do I say that? Because you go into Assassin's Creed, you do like an opening section, you see an opening, opening cutscene, something like that, and then they drop you into the world, and then you pull up your map, and there's about 500 icons. At least it feels like it. It's a map just covered in icons, and you're just like, okay, so what do I do next? And then you just don't know what to do next. This is so overwhelming because there's just so much visual data on the screen for you to try to parse through your head. Try to be like, what do I want to do next? There's just too much. And that that's how I felt with The Witcher 3 as well. Played that game for 50 hours. 50! I kept going through each part. And then the first section, first part of the world, I beat Every single part. I did every single little question mark. I did every single little side quest. And that was most of the time I played in that game. Probably 30 of the 50 hours. The other 20 hours were in the next city. And I'm just doing all of these side quests. All of these things that keep popping up. And that game has so much in the open world. That I'm just like. I can't do this anymore. And I just stopped playing. I love that game. And it's a great story. There was some really cool stuff. The Red Barons uh, side quests. Stuff like that. And there there are story elements of the game that I love to death. Even the side quests would go off into these crazy adventures. But it was just so much. It was too much. So maybe that's just a complaint from me. And that's just my personal opinion on The Witcher. I felt like it was just a little bit too much of overload. And it kind of felt a little samey after a while. Because they would keep doing this similar eye thing over and over. But to ad nauseum to the point where I'm just like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, that's that with that game, but there's one more I was thinking of. What was it? I hate it whenever you think of something and it just, like, flies away, just escapes. Ooh. <laughs> I was thinking of Breath of the Wild. That's what I was thinking of. Breath of the Wild, another Zelda game that's open world. I liked it a lot. Honestly, guys, that open world's kind of boring. The things I actually liked the most about Breath of the Wild were 
the the what are they called the runes the oh i can't even think of them people are going to be so mad well the towers were cool to climb because you had to do the unique things and then they got those little puzzle rooms whatever they're called i can't think of it right now i'm sure people are gonna be really mad that's one of those things i'm gonna forget forever until after the show's over sorry but yeah i would go into the puzzle rooms and i remember those fondly i remember fighting ganon great time the game is cool i like breath of the wild a lot but there are a lot of moments where i'm just running in an open world just just running forever and that's uh what i remember the most about that game sadly even though that game is still really great second favorite game last year next to mario odyssey but i really did love that game but that's my biggest complaint there was just too much open space for my liking in an open world if it was a little bit tighter i think i would like the game even more but it's still a beautiful game and i still love the hell out of it it's so good uh yeah i think that's it i think that's it this week for the topic we're gonna go into the recommendation minute Recommendation Minute is where I recommend something for a minute straight. So we're going to start that in three, two, one. This week we're going to talk about sour candy. <laughs> I don't know why. You know why? Because I came home and there is these candies that I bought. They're called smog balls. And I love them to death to the point where I destroyed one of my teeth this week. That was not very fun. But smog balls are delicious. They're like little hard candies. They're like jawbreakers. But as you eat them, they dissolve in your mouth and then you can chew them and they become chewy. So I recommend smog balls because they are freaking delicious. Also, sour candies. Really fast anecdote. I was in high school. I got some sour Skittles. I bought eight bags of sour Skittles and I ate them all until my tongue was bleeding. Do not do that, kids. But I love sour Skittles. I love candy. I'm like a big kid, like a giant kid. But sour Skittles are pretty legit. So that's my recommendation minute. Eat some freaking sour candy. Do it. <laughs> really weird one. Anyway, let's go into the next section. Next up in the show, we always go into what's happening. What have I personally been up to? What kind of media have I been consuming this week? What other random thoughts and things have I been going through? Uh, still going through crap with my job. I'm not going to talk about it too much. Basically, my boss has way too much unrealistic expectations for me at work. It's getting a little ridic ridiculous to the point it makes my anxiety go through the roof to the point it's leaking into other parts of my life, including creating videos and stuff. I'll start sitting down and be like, oh, this isn't going to be good enough because at work, I can't even make that good enough and I'm really good at my job. So, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, anxiety is a real thing, guys. Uh, if you if you have anxiety, you need to talk to somebody. I've been talking to Sierra, and this helps me get a little bit of it off my chest talking about it here. But I wanted just to make it really quick. I didn't want to go on a long time about it or make an entire show about it or anything. Anyway, we watched some stuff, some good stuff. We watched American Horror Story Apocalypse. It's a brand new season. We watched the first two episodes, and it ties into old seasons of that show. If you haven't seen American Horror Story. I highly recommend it, even if you're not a huge horror person, because I like horror stuff from time to time, but I don't love it like some people. I'm not super enthused by it, but American Horror Story is one of my favorite shows ever because each season is a new story. It's a new setting. They usually use the same actors here and there. They, t they do change some out, you know, but there are some staples that have been around in the series since the beginning. And each season is a new setting. So season one is called Murder House. And it's all about this house with ghosts in it and crazy, creepy creatures. I got interrupted. I apologize, guys. Season one's all about 
this thing called the murder house and it's about these ghosts that live in this house and these people move in it's all creepy and there's a bunch of weird shit that goes on and they go they go crazy they do the crazy stuff in this show uh season two asylum that that season's my probably my favorite altogether and they just go way down deep i'm not going to go through every season by the way um but it's in this crazy asylum and then there's like a bunch of really insane people in it there's somebody that like eats people and it's all insane and just off the wall horror and it's unique every season is so unique it's going to be something you're going to see some tropes and you're going to see some stuff you've seen in other stuff but they always have their own spin on it they always have their own style to it and it's a very entertaining watch great for halloween so i do recommend watching that so i guess i turned into a recommendation minute for a second there too but i love american horror story it's really good and the new season seems like it's going to be a good time because they combine two seasons into one pretty much at least that's the rumor so i'm going to be interested to see how they do this and it's going to be a good time i think i love this show and we haven't watched it in forever it feels like probably over a year honestly so yeah uh let's see what else is there we, I, I caught up with Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I was saying it right. For some reason, I didn't think I was. Uh, that show is just batshit insane comedy. They they push the line in that show way overboard, and uh, it's not for the faint of heart. It's not for people who. It's definitely not for safe for work, and it's definitely not safe for kids. It's really wacky, insane hijinks with this group of people that have no boundaries and do the craziest shit you can possibly imagine and i enjoy the show a lot it makes me laugh and i cringe a lot at it too because it's that type of show and it has danny devito doing some really just batshit stuff so if you're into that style of humor some shock factor humor i think that's what that show is all about but not really i feel like it's funnier than some of the other ones that do that like family guy is funnier than family guy and shit like that but yeah i really enjoy watching that show and a half for years so it's kind of like a tradition when the new season comes out to bank up a bunch of episodes and then go back and uh get on i think it's what is the service called it's like fx now or something i got like the free trial i've watched some episodes of that it was pretty good they have like their own service now of course everybody has their own service so that's where that show is so i, I got the free month trial so i'll watch the next few episodes too and probably fall off on it or i'll pay for a month and pl- watch the rest of it i don't know anyway good show i like it uh, it's fun fun in a fucked up way so what else have i been doing i beat spider-man i said that before i love the hell of it a hell out of it great story fantastic writing beautiful cutscenes. one of my favorite games of all time i'm just gonna say that right now um this is gonna be one of those games i look back on and just just love it it's so good i i do not regret just binging this game this is the thing i did the most this last week pretty boring week honestly all in all, just kind of playing Spider-Man and hanging out. Uh, yeah, but I love Spider-Man so much, guys. And it's it's it, I, it does take a lot from the Arkham games, but I love those games too. And I feel like it's, it's definitely my favorite superhero game next to the Arkham games. They're kind of like tied. So, yeah. Um, for me, it's great. I know a lot of people have their complaints about it and i hear those complaints and i understand those complaints but i played this game and i loved every second of it i didn't did not get annoyed by some of the side quests that can get repetitive i did not feel like they were repetitive but when i was playing i did mix it up a lot and i enjoyed every minute i had with this game and i'm going to enjoy platinuming it and guys are holding me to this i'm doing it i've never platinumed the game because i always just burn out i'm still not burnt out on this game i want to platinum it and then when that DLC comes out next month, I want to play that DLC. And yeah, so that's how much I love this game. Highly recommended, obviously. And um, I think I might like this more than God of War. And I was thinking about this today, and I love God of War so much too. Oh my god, there's so, this, this year's been great for games, and I know Red Dead's going to knock me flat on my ass when it comes out. Um, so yeah, and there's a lot of indie stuff I still need to catch up on. I'm gonna Since I finished Spider-Man, I'm probably going to play Donut County. So if you don't know what Donut County is, kind of like Katamari. I think I talked about it a little bit before. Basically, you're a hole in the ground. You get to play as a snarky raccoon that controls this hole in the ground and sucks everything up in the city, and there's a bunch of funny dialogue and stuff. It's supposed to be a short game, so I'm going to play through that. I've been slowly chipping my way at the messenger. There's a couple of hard parts I hit recently. Not hard to the point where it's like, oh my god, I can't do it. Just 
little tough. And so I kind of set it down for a while. I'm going to go back and keep playing that. I got to the part where they do the crazy shift. No spoilers, but damn, that was cool. I loved how they did that. And there's another game that, that came out. I think it's coming out today or tomorrow. It's called The Gardens Between, and it just looks really nice. It's like a really surreal-looking puzzle platforming game. And it's about looking back and remembering things and connecting the dots of your past and stuff like that. And I'm just like, okay, that's right up my alley. I gotta try that. And one more game I do want to play that's coming out tomorrow. Life is Strange Season 2, which if you guys listen to the podcast, you know that I finished Life is Strange Season 1. Like, I guess this is not even season, right? I think the, that one's just called Life is Strange and it had five episodes. And I beat that recently. That's one of those games that I kept putting off. Played like half of it and just finished it up this year. It's like a few years old now. three or Two or three, maybe even four years old. I think it came out 2015 actually. But yeah, I beat that this year. So I was like, awesome. And then I played uh, Awesome Adventures of Captain Spirit. Which just ties into Live is Strange Season 2. And Episode 1 for that comes out tomorrow. So I'm excited to jump into that as well. So there's plenty of games going on, lots of games to do. There's some movies I want to see too. I, just, uh, I don't really, I can't think of anything right now. But uh, we're going to be signing up for AMC A-List because we canceled our movie pass. It's a similar thing to movie pass, but it's just for AMC. We have to do a little bit more of a drive, but it seems like it's going to be a good deal. It's three movies a week. I think I talked about this already, so I won't go into it. Three movies a week, $20 a month, and discounts on concessions and stuff like that. It's a decent deal. And uh, you can use the app and actually approve movies ahead of time. I think I talked about this already. Sorry if if, you, if I'm repeating myself. Uh, we also went to the Disney store and I did a treat myself. I treated myself. I treated myself. Okay, I'll stop. But uh, there's this. I love the new DuckTales show. It's, I, hey, this can be blasphemous to people that used to watch the original in the 80s, whatever. It's better than the old show. The new DuckTales is leagues ahead of the old show it's way more intricate the characters are way more interesting webby is actually a real character she's not just there everybody has flaws the three huey Dewey, and louie all have different aspects to them that they are their own person they're more unique characters and the dynamics between them and scrooge and all the stuff that happens, the way they develop the characters, and all this stuff. I just love this show a lot. I can talk about the show a lot if I really want to, kind of skipping through it. But I love the animation style. It's beautiful. And I love the new character designs. They took the old designs, kind of modernized it, but didn't make them ugly, which is very easy to do, which people have complaints about for a lot of shows, including the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles I've seen recently. People were complaining about that because it doesn't look like their kid childhood favorite, you know, I'm sure kids now love that look, but the people that are used to the old style don't like it. I get it. It's fine. I'm sure it's a fun show, too. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going into that. I've talked about that type of thing before with, like, the Thundercats thing and stuff like that. But this DuckTales show, if you are a fan of the old 80s show, this is worth watching. So we went to the Disney show. Disney show? Disney's store the, at the outlet mall because Sierra needed to get some new shoes. So we got that, got that out of the way. And we went to the Disney store, and I bought her... Uh, Stitch, Lilo and Stitch figurine set, and then I was like, dude, I got the DuckTales one, so I got the Duck DuckTales one, and it has Donald, Launchpad, Scrooge, Huey, Dewey, Louie, and Webby in beautiful vinyl figure form. It was like 15 bucks. I splurged. I had been looking at them so much recently, like, at the other store, because they had the blind bags, and then they have the bigger figures, and I'm like, man, I want to just get something small to put on the shelf, just look at, because I love this show so much. So I got it, I did it, and yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's about it for what's happening. Uh, I did a vlog this week talking about videos and stuff, and I was just in my head too much, and then one late at night I just deleted it like an idiot. I probably should have left it up. I'll probably do another video soon like that. I don't know. <sighs> I've been bumming myself out thinking about making videos because I'm like, ah, oh, I get too in my head, and I hate that. It sucks. Anyway, I'm trying not to be negative. I'm, let's be positive. I got some amazing DuckTales figures. I should be happy as hell. <laughs> That's it for what's happening. Let's go into the next section.
It's the news of interest! The news of interest coming at you live, but not pre-recorded live. I just want to talk about this PlayStation Classic that got announced here for the news this week. Let me look at, I didn't actually pull this up. PlayStation Classic. I had a tab open. So here we go, we got, uh, this is so bad. See how the PlayStation Classic measure up to the original PlayStation. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> uh, here we go. First details, PlayStation Classic. This is from the PlayStation blog. It's loading very slowly. Almost 25 years ago, the original PlayStation was introduced to the world. Developed by Sony Computer Entertainment, it was the first home console in video game home's history in video game history to ship 100 million units worldwide, offering consumers a chance to play games with real-time 3D graphics in their homes. Today, we are excited to announce that we are bringing back the original PlayStation experience in a new miniaturized version, PlayStation Classic. The console will come preloaded with 20 classic titles, including fan favorites such as Final Fantasy VII, Jumping Flash, Ridge Racer Type 4, in Taken 3 and Wild Arms. The mini console is approximately 45% smaller than the original PlayStation. And I'm gonna stop reading this. It has HDMI output, scaling option, and a USB that you need to get a charger for for yourself. And that thing is gonna cost $100. What do I think? Okay. <laughs> okay, so for me, I was looking at it. I'm like, okay, for one, why do we not have a DualShock controller in this bundle? It is just the original PlayStation with the D PlayStation controller with the D-pad and the face buttons. I mean, it's fine, but I feel like it limits the amount of games you can bring to the game system, the mini system. That would be interesting. Like I would think that Ape Escape would be on there, but you can't do that without the analog sticks. At least you can play a game like Metal Gear Solid with just the D-pad. Like that would be cool if they brought that back. But we'll see. They, that's only games they've announced so far. The 5 out of the 20. And then they made the pre-orders available. Which is a little weird. Uh, honestly for me. I'm like. I'm not sure if I'm going to get this thing. It's a lot of money. $100 is a good amount of money. It's worth it because it's 20 games. Because usually on the sh on the PlayStation Store. The PSN. A PS1 game would be like 5 to 8 bucks. So if you did the math. It would be for 20 games. 100 to 160 dollars so you kind of get your money's worth if you're thinking about that and it's kind of its own little thing and it has upscaling in it so it's a really great holiday item it's a little kitschy it's a little you know for people who don't have all this hardware like a lot of us people do like for me i have my playstation 3 that i bought years ago but it plays playstation 1 games pretty good with emulation and i'll use that if i want to play my playstation games and if there's a playstation game i want to get I probably have it, and if I don't, I can probably pick it up for a somewhat affordable price. But if there are some games on this system that have some really cool, you know, something different that I haven't got to play, like if I had Noah on there or something that's like kind of obscure, like Jumping Flash already makes me pretty interested because I've I actually, excuse me, I used to have a copy of Jumping Flash and I liked that game a lot, and I haven't played it in years, so maybe that would be that that is a part of the selling point so far for me but it's a hundred bucks so it's a little bit of a harder ask than eighty dollars for the super nintendo classic but i think it's a cool little system and uh for people who have nostalgia for this the system i think it's awesome and i have nostalgia for it so honestly who knows i could be talking to you in a, in a few months with one of these things just sitting under my tv and now i'm and playing it you never know it does it is a little weird because they're doing the crash trilogy and they're doing the spiral trilogy like they did the crash trilogy already the remaster now they're doing the spiral one so will these games any of these games be on the playstation when i think about the playstation i think crash and i think spyro as some of the you know big titles for the uh system but it is what it is um I know that Sony produced and published Legend of Dragoon, which is an RPG in a Final Fantasy style, kind of, but not really. It's its own universe. 
and I used to love it as a kid. I don't think I would now because I don't really like RPGs as much as I used to. But if they said, hey, Legend of Dragoons on this thing or like Chrono Cross or something, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to get it and play those games for 30 minutes and be like, okay, well, at least I did that. <laughs> um, if Jet Moto was on here, I think Jet Moto would work without an analog stick. I, I used to love playing Jet Moto. Uh, Intelligent Cube, which is a really good choice. There are some kind of more obscure PlayStation games that could be a lot of fun to put on here, including like I those those ones are the ones I just listed. They aren't super obscure, but what was I thinking? <laughs> I completely spaced it out. I've been doing that a lot today. Uh, yeah, but I I think this system is generally a really cool little thing. It's a little knickknack to have on the shelf for a lot of collectors, and a lot of people won't even take it out of the box. They'll just buy it and collect it, but. For the people that want that really fun little plug-and-play system, you get two controllers with it, too. I should have mentioned that at the top of this, of this thing. So that does help with the general bargain, the price point. Like, the price point is a little more justified since you get two controllers. And it's an official product, so you don't have to do anything hacky or anything crazy like that. So, I mean, it's generally a cool little thing. And if the... That I think the game library is the main thing for me, and I know it's going to get hacked. And uh, that'd be kind of cool just to have one with a bunch of ROMs on there. Hey, I'm not going to lie. I, I would If I can put ROMs on it, I would just put a bunch of random PS1 games on it and play them. But yeah, it's a cool little system. I mean, I'm excited to see what the actual games list is going to be for it. But besides that, it's nothing, else, nothing that crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, there are, this is another new story I want to talk about, but I don't want to talk about too much about it. I'm just going to talk about these tweets that Je Jeff Keighley put out. I had this up too. Why isn't it here? Let me just pull it up. Sorry. Jeff Keighley. There it is. They're about Red Dead 2. So there was these impressions. People went out and played Red Dead 2. So we're going to go, I'm going to read this thread that he put out. And this is what made me interested to read more. So I, what I suggest is going to different sites, Kotaku, uh, IGN, GameSpot, if you want to know more about Red Dead Redemption. So this is what Red Dead Redemption 2, this comes out, that game comes out in about a month now, so a little bit less than five weeks. So, Jeff Keighley on Twitter, he has a little thread, so I'm going to read this whole thread, and it's pretty cool. He says, A few weeks ago, I went hands-on with Red Dead Redemption 2 at Rockstar Games for about 90 minutes. The pioneers of open world gaming have taken a giant leap forward and crafted what I would now I, what I would now call a living or responsive world game. Now, the world just isn't open. It has, to borrow a term from Ken Levine, a radical recognition of the player and your actions. The traditional loop of an open world game has evolved. The familiar cadence of mission and downtime is now a dynamic ecosystem. The most stunning moments are in those pockets of time where we expect open worlds to be frozen in time until we advance to the next mission objective. Rockstar has removed this barrier and sprinkled the living ecosystem, characters, activities, etc. throughout the experience. This is a massive leap forward for the industry. A living, breathing world of characters, wildlife, and dynamic events acting together. It's all the more stunning. This is within the confines, confines of a linear narrative. A simulation with player agency inside the bounds of a linear narrative. While I don't want to spoil the game, I will say my demo started with one question as they handed over the controller. What would you like to do? In 25 plus years of covering games, no one has ever asked me that question. It was profound. A responsive world, not a waypoint to chase. But I don't know how... What I don't know how is how this ecosystem builds over time, how player choice slash agency early in the game collapses back onto the story and characters. There are not multiple endings or branching paths, so I'm really curious about the interplay between agency and narrative. I was intrigued by the multiple protagonists in GTA V, seeing events from different point of views and the inherent narrative tension that can birth. Here, the experience is about characters acting and reacting to Arthur's choices, or the player's choices. I'll be toying with this, with writing a longer piece about this, blah, 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 in, in the meantime. So I thought this was a really cool little, just a little, you know, thought piece on this game. This game. So let's, let's do, let's just take a recent example of God of War or Spider-Man. 
you do Spider-Man, it's going to stay night that entire time between missions, and the game kind of waits for you to continue the storyline. The thing that they're saying about this game, or at least he was saying, and a couple of other things I've read about it, is when you are not doing a mission, there isn't a waypoint to go to a mission. You interact with the world, and then the world interacts around you. The world lives around you while you go off and do that side activity something else could happen on the other side of the map and then if you do something negative in that town that town can get screwed over and then that has a negative repercussion on you if you do something positive that entire thing has um things that shit i can't i had it my brain just went blank basically if you do something positive it will have a domino effect and that positivity can lead to something better in the future. Also, it can lead to something negative because you do something positive for this one character can lead over to the other side of the map. Something negative happens to this other character because you help that character. And all of this stuff is just dynamic and it's going to be based on what the player chooses to do. This sounds so ambitious and so crazy to me that I can't wait to see it. You know, I think this game is going to be one of the most revolutionary games we've ever seen from the previews, from the stuff we know about it. For all I know is that this could just be really great demos. People just have getting really awesome demos and I just go in there and it's just a fun open world game. At least that's what I'm expecting, you know, for the most part. It's just a really fun open world game. But if it's what people are saying where it's just a huge dynamic world that keeps changing, it's living, it's breathing, and you're not just running in this open field forever until you get to the next section it's you're running in this open field and then something happens over there and then there's stuff's happening in the city without you you go back to the city there's stuff going <laughs> stuff goes crazy and fucked up in the city someone's house burns down or something i don't know it's a random idea but the idea of a world that's living and breathing and constantly doing stuff while you're not there or the things you do can affect stuff way down the line or the story can one little choice you make way down the line can be affected by you the character and that sounds ridiculous and crazy and like how are they going to pull that off but if anybody can pull it off it's rockstar and i'm looking forward to seeing how this game comes out um let's see what else did i see let's just read a couple more of these little blurbs on twitter twitter's great for this kind of little thing sometimes um jared petty from kind of funny and hot blib and jump he he's pretty cool i i like his hosting style he's a little he's a little cheesy sometimes but i do enjoy his thoughts on video games he said on twitter my succinct impression of red dead 2 based on my hands on time it elevates the state of games as an interactive art form. It's innovative, deep, tears down expectations of open world storytelling. It's indescribably beautiful, and most importantly, it's really, really fun. It's a nice little blurb. We'll do one more here. Who else Who else played it? I think it was Jason Schreier, maybe? Somebody. Somebody did. It wasn't Jason Schreier. It was somebody else. Who was that? I don't remember. <laughs> uh, there was another person that said it and they asked about the horse balls like do they actually animate the horse balls and apparently they do and when it's cold they get smaller yeah that's there <laughs> so yeah that's a thing uh this game's gonna be cool i'm really excited obviously i talked a lot about it um in multiple episodes now but i would recommend if you're interested in the game go read some of these takes and if you want to go in blind i wouldn't read too much because you know I don't think it's going to spoil anything, but if you kind of want to get a taste, I would say go read a few little blurbs and articles about it, because I feel like this game is going to be just so fun and ridiculous and hopefully groundbreaking, like everybody is saying, but who knows, right? Whew, that was long. That was a lot of talking today. <laughs> um, but yeah, Red Dead's the big, next big game, next AAA game I'm looking forward to, and uh, I'll probably end up being a dummy head and picking up uh, Call of Duty, looks like. Yes, I'll be a dummy head. I'm bringing that back. Oh, yeah, and apparently Donald Trump's dick looks like a toad from Mario Kart. All right, guys, I'll see you next week, and thank you for listening to Frantic Thoughts. If you want to follow me, I'm at Frantic Society on Twitter. It's at Frantic, S-O-C-I-E-T-Y. Uh, go to the Cartridge Club forums, cartridgeclub.org slash forum. Click on Frantic Thoughts, episode 68. 
Hopefully I've been saying the right number this whole time. Who knows? Leave your topic, leave your random comment about open world games. What games do you like that are open world? Or do you even care about open world? I, w- I want to talk about it. It's, co- it's a cool little thing. There's a lot of crazy open world games coming out. It feels like a few a month now. <laughs> I feel like most of the games that come out are open world. So what do you guys think about that style? If that's even your thing. I'd love to talk about it in the forums. Uh, go to my YouTube channel, hopefully. <sighs> I finally do something over there. <laughs> Bit.ly slash sub. You can go give me a sub. Maybe I'll get to 100 subs and get a URL. Maybe I'll get a little more interested in making more stuff. I don't know. I really want to make stuff. I have so many ideas. I have like seven memos in my phone that are just full of video ideas. I'm always coming up with new ideas, and I'm just like, why don't I do any of this? <laughs> also, one month from tomorrow, so that'd be, well, tomorrow when this releases, so that would be September 21st. A month from then, October 21st, I'm doing my 24-hour live stream. I have a vacation around that time, so I'm going to do my 24-hour stream. Every time I hit an, a $50 incentive goal, I will be doing something crazy. If I get a $20 donation, per every $20 donation I get, if somebody donates 20 or more, I'm going to let Sierra hit me in the face with the whipped cream pie. So that should be fun. <laughs> I have some other fun ideas uh, to kind of humiliate myself a little bit but all in good fun all for charity for kids so that's whatever <laughs> i'm i'm willing to do ridiculous things and put my body on the line in uh totally legal ways i promise <laughs> uh t- in order to raise money for kids and my goal is 250 dollars. i feel like we i can hit that and uh extra life is fantastic Anything for cancer research for kids, anything for hospitals for kids, I'm all aboard for that. So that'd be awesome. It's going to be a good time, 24 hours. I'll be plugging this until that happens. So it's going to be October 21st. And yeah, 24 hours of gaming and wacky and random insanity. Oh yeah, one last thing before I leave. Trade Papercast isn't gone if you were looking for the podcast on the feed. Sierra got sick, and then we just haven't been able to record an episode, so we'll probably give you guys a longer episode over there if you're interested in that. Go sub over there. It's at Trade Papercast on Twitter and Trade Papercast on Podcast Services. Any of them. <laughs> so yeah, that's it. That's it for this week. That's all the plugs. That's all I have to say for the podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed, and uh, have a great one. Bye. Well, that was weird. Bye. Bye. Ride 'em, cowboy. <laughs>